This is The Right Approach. I am your host, J.W. Judge, with my co-host, Barbara Hensky, and we are a podcast for writers to learn more about both the business and the craft of writing as we explore a new topic every week. This week, it is Barbara and me, and we're going to talk about a smattering of things, um, travel, inspiration, the things that we're working on, uh, and, and sometimes how all that works together and sometimes how it doesn't. So, um, Barb, what are you working on right now? I know you just got back uh, from traveling, which we're going to talk about today, um, and are hopefully on the other side of jet lag. But uh, yes. so maybe you're I back am. into your routine. What are you working on? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of um, still doing some businessy, the businessy stuff of the author business. I've got um, a novella, my, the third book in my Pause and Pastry series that I formatted yesterday, and I'm trying to get the cover design and get that ready to launch. Um, I'm going to be doing a connected series with a number of other women's fiction authors. Um, we're smartly not planning to actually publish anything until 2025. Yeah. So I'm feeling very ahead of the curve. I've just outlined my contribution and I'm hoping to write that in July. So I've kind of been attending to, and I'm working on some, um, really focusing on some screen pitches and things for my other works, because I'm going to be uh, attending the filming of Guiding Emily, the Guiding Emily movie. So I'll be around a whole bunch of new producers and directors. And as my, my life coach, business coach said, before I went to the Christmas club um, filming, what pitches have you got ready? And I said, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> said, you know, yeah because I'm not such a good self-promoter. And he said, you've got to have your pitches ready. So if somebody says what else you got, it flows. And I did, and nothing got sold, but I had three or four people look at stuff. The nice thing about movies is that there's always a whole handful of producers and they all do different aspects, but they all know people and they're all mm -hmm. looking for stuff. So I've got to get my act together and get my talking points done. And last time I, I, wrote things up and I rehearsed in the mirror and I'm going to do that again so I can jabber away. Um, so that's kind of what I've got going on. And I'm anxious to get back to the writing though. That's, that's just the happy, peaceful place. So, but I know you've been super busy at work. We were just talking about that off camera, off line. And I want you to get your book done because I can't wait to read it. So where are you on your stuff? Yeah. I'll talk to my partners about that. Um, yeah. Like, like, Hey guys, I need a break here. Um, so yeah. no, um, I have crossed 50,000 words. I think I mentioned that in our hey. podcast, um, recently, maybe even that. So I'm, I think in the next couple of chapters, I will start act three. So we will be yeah. in this final stretch yeah. and, you know, that'll be somewhere between, 17,000 and 20,000 words. So I have 20, 20 to 23,000 words left in front of me, I think, you know, assuming everything mm -hmm. goes as planned, this, the second hack, second half of act two, I didn't, I knew roughly what needed to happen. And all of those things have happened and none of it has happened in the way that I expected it to, um, <laughs> which yeah. is, but it's been good. So like it's been better than what I envisioned it. So I still feel really good about this 
contemporary mm-hmm. murder mystery project um, that I'm working on. And I have act three, which should be the final quarter of the book. I have that really strongly outlined with a strong sense of what should happen. Um, and we will see if things cooperate um, or not. I don't know. I never know until. Do you feel like. like yeah. Until you're sitting at the keyboard. Do you feel like that last act writes faster than the beginning? Particularly if you've outlined it. It historically for me, it definitely has. Um, yeah. And we'll see, um, you know, with. I. <laughs> I had hoped to be done by the end of June because I started on January 1st. I wanted to be done in the first half of the year. Uh-huh. I don't think that's probably going to happen, but you know, it should finish by July and then I will get right into beginning editing. And I know that a lot of people say you should set it aside for a while um, and then come back to it. <laughs> but there's a couple reasons I don't feel like for me, that's the best process. And one of them yeah. is it takes me six, seven months to write it. So by the time I'm done with that and I get back around mm-hmm. to those first chapters, it is always yes. surprising to me. Um, <laughs> I'm always surprised by things that I have written that I forgot that I had written. And so there is enough distance. I really um, that. So there's enough time and memory gap that getting starting on revisions that soon after being done writing isn't problematic for me. The other part about it is I am used to quick turnaround times between writing and editing because of all of the writing that I do in my practice. Like that's the nature of the thing. You get it out all on the page and then you turn around and start tearing it to pieces and starting it, you know, so I'm okay with it. Once I get finished with the first draft, I know a lot of the things that I need to go back in and do. Um, We've talked about those, especially, you know, some of the feedback I got on early submissions. One of the uh, agents that I submitted to responded with some personal feedback saying, you know, this isn't for me in part because I didn't feel like the main character um, was active enough that they were an observer. So I need, I know that one of the things I did. What was a great I, comment. Yeah. That tells me like, yeah. okay. Easy um, fix. Right. Easy I need fix. to go in and make them more active in these opening chapters to draw somebody in. And um, so that was, that was super helpful. Um, so that will, you know, we're looking hopefully July get started on all that. And I am going to wait until I've gone through a couple of rounds of edits before I do another round of submissions and uh, get it to my alpha reader and potentially somebody else who's read a lot of my things and, and go from there. Mm. So that's, that's the plan. Um, Hopefully nothing will get in the way of that. That's a, that's a great plan. You know, the conventional wisdom and advice is always away for a while, six months. I mean, I no, I don't do that. And I write fast, but I still forget stuff in the beginning of the, when I go back, I'm, you know, I wrote it 
four weeks ago and I don't remember. So I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> I find that I can, I think editing right away is just fine. And look at all of those um, crazy, no, well, I shouldn't say that, but I'm just jealous. Those rapid release authors that churn out one a month. Okay. They're not letting these things sit. They yeah. get at them right away. So um, yeah, I think that's, and it may suit some people, but it isn't for everybody. You're doing fine with that. Yeah. And I'm already starting to think about which story I'm going to write next. Um, there is, yeah. Yeah. there were two that I'm choosing between and it may really depend on, well, I was going to say it may depend on what happens with this one and whether I end up publishing my, this fifth novel myself or sell it. Um, but you know, that process takes months. And so I'll have to start sooner than that. And so it's either, you know, I have this idea for another fantasy novel that um, isn't really related to any of the first four that I've written, although there could be crossover characters. Um, or I have a short story that I wrote called The Murder Tree about this family of hitmen oh, yeah. in Walker County, this place in rural Alabama that is, that's actually known for it. And, and so I have had several people tell me that they would love to see more written about that. And I have ideas for two novels involving those people. And so it'll be, you know, we'll see which of those things decides it wants to be written, or I guess it could be something entirely different by the time that happens. But that's kind of what I'm looking down the road at for the really to be doing in the second half of the year. It's fun to have something new. I keep writing in series and, you know, I keep, I thought my Rosemont series would end at five, but I had so many people, it was selling well and so many people wanted more. So I thought, okay. And I kind of really pivoted it. And so now number nine is coming out um, July 6th. So I know I should write another, the fourth in the Emily, I should write a 10th in the Rosemont series. But I think I, as a writer, after I write this um, collaborative, and it's just a novella, 35,000 to 50,000 words, so it'll write fast. I'm real excited about that. It's going to be a, it's a real fun premise. I wish I'd thought of it. But I recently got back from Paris, and there was an interchange that I observed when we were sitting at one of those sidewalk cafes between the waitress and an Uber driver that was just... And I was situated so that I could see, she was happened to be our waitress. So I could see her, this just cute as a button, think a blonde um, Emily, really, if, if that's how it was pronounced. Um, and then those big eyes, big expression, a cute little haircut. And then the super driver. And so I'm just sitting there during dinner, coming up with all kinds of scenarios for these two. Um, so I want to write that. So I think that will be after I... I write this book that's due in 2025, which I know I have plenty of time, but it, anytime I have any kind of a deadline for myself, I like to just get it done. So I think yeah. I'll feel better getting it done. Well, I know that before you went on your trip, we talked about your plan was not to do any writing and to like take a real vacation. And then yes. we also talked about, well, there are benefits to doing some work because then it has uh, tax purposes. Um, 
So where did, did you that. end up landing and did you do work during your travels to Paris? I did a little bit because I had time for one thing. My husband caught a bad cold mm. and the weather turned rainy. So um, we spent more time maybe in our hotel room, which I have to say was probably the hotel room that was on the brochure or the website for the hotel. You know, a lot of times you'll, you'll get a, a hotel room and it'll say ocean view. Well, only if you stand on your tiptoes <laughs> on top of the toilet tank and look out the window, you know, but this claim to have a view of um, the city. We were right across from the Tuileries garden. We had the Louvre, the D'Orsay, Napoleon's monument and, and the Eiffel Tower with two wrought iron balconies. And it was a huge room. So it was a lovely place to be. And look out at people. So I was watching people, just observing the difference in how people, the energy and industry with which they walk, um, and family groups and the whole bit. So I didn't do any writing, but I did. Oh, I've got a whole notebook full of notes of people and observances and um, just interchanges, grandmothers and I assume grandmothers and grandsons and lots of fun stuff. So those observations will certainly make it into the book. And the chief one of those was this charming young uh, waitress um, and this Uber driver and what I'm going to cook up for the two of them. Um, so it was good. What about as far as setting and I have, I have ideas about this that I want to come back to, but, you know, yeah. being in Paris, um, yeah. did the setting cause you to want to put any of your characters in any of those locations for stories in the future? Oh, absolutely. And the, and these characters will be in that setting because, you know, they basically have to be in a little cafe that juts out onto a sidewalk that is too small to begin with, let alone to have a cafe table. <laughs> You know, all the one-way streets and and um, the feel of it. I was surprised, frankly, at how dirty Paris is. At least the old part of Paris, the, the buildings are filthy. Um, if building had been power washed, it stood out like a sore thumb. So I don't know if I'm going to be a spoiler and write that or not because I was surprised and I thought oh it's all going to be just so city of light city of love it's going to be beautiful and it was like oh my goodness um but certainly the the congestion of the setting and the closeness of people um is going to get written in and the fact that so many people had dogs and they were all big dogs I think I saw one small dog. Everybody else had these ginormous dogs. And if you're walking a dog, you're probably living in this area. So you're in, in you know, there are lots of real estate businesses that you walk by and they have their post, their listings in the window with prices. So, you know, you get a, I don't know, a thousand square feet for a million and a half bucks. Wow. Um small space for great big animals. So I thought that was kind of fun. I think I can envision some funny scenes about basically the dog taking over most of, most of your home. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know that writing all that. And I took a zillion pictures and made a zillion notes. Yeah, yeah. That's super smart. 
I know that, you know, when I, there's different kinds of travel, certainly whenever um, yeah. I'm traveling for work, it's a very different experience from going on family vacations. And okay. I never get as much done on family vacations as I would like. And I, it's not even like, I still only sleep in until about six and I'll get up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not a very good vacationer all the time because I don't want my emails for work to get behind because it's such a hassle yeah. to get caught up. Yeah. Um, and, and so I have to choose kind of between splitting writing time and catching up for work time. So it's not just total chaos. Um, and so um, I do get some done on family vacations, but I have found that when I'm traveling alone for work, being at an mm-hmm. airport and around all that madness, if I just put headphones on, I can, and on a plane too, for that matter, as long as the last time I was on a plane, this guy talked to me the entire flight for um, Birmingham to Atlanta, which is not a long flight, but I kept trying to put my earbuds in and he kept totally disregarding uh, my cues and continuing to talk. Um, So I didn't get anything done on that one, but traveling alone airports and um, in the airplane, I can get a lot done and just tune everything out. And that's been really good for me. But, um, and then last April, uh, I turned 40. My wife and I went to Asheville, North Carolina, to the mountains for a few days. And so That's on that, those days where it was just her and, you know, I would still get up early. I would have downtime while she was getting ready for us to go wherever because she takes longer than me. And so I would use those times just to sit and write and um, got a lot done there. So for me, it really depends on the kind of trip it is of how much mm-hmm. I can get done. It's usually not as much as I had hoped, um, but I usually am overly ambitious about what I can actually get done anyway. So, um, yeah. I'm- and that's why it's successful because successful people um, set the bar high. I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I have no shortage of ambition uh, <laughs> for, for better yeah. or worse, uh, but that's true. Um and you back it up with a lot of hard work and tenacity. Well, I appreciate that. But I have found I that you know, with my third novel, which was the last book in my fantasy trilogy, it was set in Italy and in Greece and places that I had been to, you know, in 2004, but hadn't, hadn't been back mm-hmm. since. And so a lot of it was the feeling of those places. And then I did a ton of research um, too, even yeah. though I had been there, I had photographs of when I was there. Um, I did a ton of research, but it provided the setting that I wanted um, for that part of the story to occur in. And so, you know, it was it was a long time coming, but you know, I guess it was 17 years later that it actually turned into a story. And now I'm trying to figure out if that math is right. It's close anyway that it, you know, it actually made its way into writing. And I had thought back in 2020, I think we've talked about before how we went on family vacation and I turned up to have shingles. And so I couldn't get uh, in the ocean at the beach and it was a pretty miserable experience. But one thing that came out of it was I decided to write a travel memoir about a motorcycle trip I went on and was going to tie it into 
this trip to Europe that I'd gone on back in 2004 when college roommates and I went backpacking. And since then, I have decided I'm not going to write that story. But, um, you know, it kind of just turned up those parts of my memory that I hadn't been thinking about for a while. And then parts of it that I had written when I was thinking about the memoir, I decided the memoir wasn't compelling enough. Like it just, it just wasn't. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. But parts of those, the story from that motorcycle trip ended up making it into the first couple of novel chapters of my fourth novel. And so, you know, like none of it has been wasted. It, it all makes it in there somewhere. And maybe yeah. it's not in the way that we, that I envisioned it. Um, but it all, it all plays its way in. Like all these life experiences that we have, you can turn them into a part of your story and it just may not be the story you thought it was going to be. I think that's, that's such a wise observation. Yeah. Keep your scrap heap. Don't ever delete, delete um, any of that stuff. Cause you just never know when any of those snippets will be helpful. And even if, like you say, you hadn't been to, you know, the Greece and elite locations that you're writing about for what, 17 years, but Google maps is such a helpful reminder, or I know people who write series set in areas of the world, you know, U.S. writers who write things in Europe. Okay, that's very different, but they just rely on Google Maps to get them where they need to be. Um, so yeah. it's absolutely doable. Well, what do you have? Uh, let's see. I forgot what I was going to ask. That that question totally escaped me as it was coming out of my mouth there. Um, that happens <laughs> to me more than, yeah. So I'm looking forward to just, you know, some, I've got family coming in town tomorrow. My son just was here for a week and now my daughter and her fiance are coming in for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, letting myself kind of kick back into family time although they'll still be working while they're here. So I'll have plenty of time to do businessy stuff and marketing stuff. And I want to go down the rabbit hole of keywords and use publisher rocket, our beloved Dave Chesson friend who's been on our podcast. So I'm going to get myself wrapped into that. There's no end to that. Um, And do some of those kinds of things. That's kind of on my near horizon. How about you? I know well, you're busy, I, so busy. I, yeah, but I know what I wanted to mention uh, because we exchanged emails about this. So uh, this past week, we had Tiffany um, Yates on and talked about dialogue and unspoken dialogue. And then um, we both independently watched episode 11 of the third season of Ted Lasso. And I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't watched it, but I did want to mention because it tied in so well and I emailed you about it and you had the same thoughts of the guest on that episode and the tension between Ted Lasso and that person. And there's clearly so much going on that throughout most of the episode is not being spoken and it's being walked around. And it was just such an amazing job of using body language and unspoken language to convey to the viewer um the tension that was there and you know it's something that would be more difficult to do in writing 
because yeah. we have to use words to convey those actions or inactions and the omissions. Um, but I couldn't help but think about the conversation we'd had on Monday when I was watching that episode, you know, less than 36 hours later. You know, the writing on that show is just so incredible. I want to watch the third season again. Uh, there were, there were points in that episode that just brought me to tears and my husband to tears and he's not a, he's not a blubber like I am, but I thought, yeah, the tension, but yet you all, knew that these two characters loved each other so it was just masterfully done i've been thinking a lot about that about about improving ways to use dialogue to establish setting and move the plot and emotional things you know other than just the spoken word because dialogue can be tricky people think well you're always advised to show not tell uh, and so people think, well, I'm, I'm showing it's all in dialogue, but dialogue can be as telly as anything. Um, so. Well, and what you said uh, about knowing that there were love between those two characters is I think really important because it adds so much more depth to that tension. And I know yeah. that, you know, like even in my, you know, all of my novels, there's, there's a lot of, of darkness there, but I think that you can also read that there is a never a lack of love or hope um, mm -hmm. because there is so much there for the reader to draw on when you know that like however tough, whether it's internally or whatever's going on, the tension between the characters, if there is love between them, there's a lot more at stake than if it's just animosity. And that's, you know, that creates tension and stakes that drive empathy and, you know, cause the reader to care. Because if the reader doesn't care about the relationship or the characters, then they're not going to be there for the story. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so. yeah, I mean, I find that a lot, even on television shows I watch, if there are no characters that I like, if everybody's bad and awful, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. And I know that isn't succession is a very, very popular. Obviously, I'm probably the only person on the whole planet who doesn't like succession, but no, they're all awful. Well, we did. We bounced off of succession the first time my wife and I tried to watch it and eventually gave it another shot and have fully bought in. Um, but that's the reason we bounced off is like there was nobody you could identify with. There was nobody that was likable. Um, and I, nobody you know, I've talked to several people who've had that. Same experience. Okay. So then I'm not so odd. That's You're not good. alone. Okay. Um, but I think that is a, a good place to leave off for today. And then um, next week we are going to have on a guest with us to talk about screenwriting. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Very excited about it. All right. Well, all right. Have a good week. Likewise. Get those Thank words. You. That's right. <laughs>